0: Live from the Toad Hop Network studios
1: in Hollywood. This, this is the ToadHopNetwork.com.
0: It is strongly addictive.
1: Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching.
0: This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host,
2: Sean Astin. Yo hello, everybody. Good uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. From the Truman Show. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Because uh, I don't know where you are. I got a lot of people tweeting me from England. Hey, all you there in the UK. And how about all you here in Hollywood? And how about you over there, Uncle Mac? What up? Johnny Ice? Hey. Hey. Um, I'm just trying to... Um, Hold on, my agent's calling. Sorry, I <laughs> put it on mute. Uh, It's funny. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. My name is Sean Aston. I'll be your host today on uh, Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people here on the Toad Hop Network, um, where the frogs come to fly. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good, right? That's brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, man. I, just, I, just, I didn't even think about that. Can you mm-hmm. imagine? You're transmitting. Uh, there's so much to talk about today, um, and I'm trying to provoke the Twitter sphere by sending out. I just want to see. I just sent a I sent out a picture. I don't know if it came through, of this book. For those of you who are listening, I'm holding up a white magazine, kind of. Yeah, it's a magazine, but it's kind of one of those thick special edition types, and it's Variety. It says. Wow. Now well, it's the uh, director, Rudy. I'll if call, I were you, I'd put back. it on silent. Yes, it. but sometimes it, the people calling it, it's pertinent to the show. All right, fair enough. All right. I could turn the ringer off, but oh, yeah. uh, okay. Put uh, a coaster under it. Can I get back to this very important point I'm making about this here? A coaster on the fo- under the phone? Very That's good. That's not going to stop the vibrating from the phone doing anything. Um, usually the issues here have to do with not having a call screener, so I have to like answer the calls. Oh, by the way, I have a new, I have a new plan for that. I have a new plan for that. We, um, if and when folks decide to uh, take up the challenge, this is me adjusting microphone. It's uh spanking the on the show. And and other show, I'm going to do like at least 90 seconds to, uh, to two minutes with a person. If there's nobody calling in after, them, we can talk. You know, whatever the the appropriate length is for that. Uh, call, But if other people call in during that call, I'm not going to answer it and put them on hold the way I usually do, kind of interrupting the flow of the conversation. I'm just going to trust that, that they know to uh, to hang in there. We don't have a call screener, so uh, just hang in there with your call. I can see the number popping up, and, and once we get to the 90 seconds or two-minute mark, um, unless we've already exceeded it, with uh, the call we're on with – uh, at that point, we'll uh, I'll say goodbye to the caller and switch on to the next one. It's let me just, lo- just condense this uh, yeah. uh, clearly. Yeah. If
3: you're saying to the listeners, if someone's calling in, let it ring. Let it ring. Let it ring.
2: Let it blossom, let it that's flow. That's it. Yeah. He'll
3: get to you. Sean, we'll get to you. Just let it ring.
2: Let it ring. That's right. Just let it ring and, and have faith. And, uh, and, and, and the reason I do that is because it's annoying for all of us to have to go through the uh, call screener in real time while juggling a, a listener or caller at the same time. So Okay, so that's the idea. You're, you, how did you phrase it? Let it ring. Okay, so we'll let it ring. All right. Getting back to my other point, what I'm holding up here for the camera, for those of you who are listening, you can't see it, but I shall describe. It is a magazine, um, kind of special edition booklet. Uh, Variety is one of the two Hollywood industry publications. The two main ones. There's lots. There's drama log, and there's uh, casting things, and there's those are the ones I know about being an actor. But there's there's cinema tech and and uh, you know lots of great. Magazines, but this these are the sort of industry standards for uh, what's happening in Hollywood at the moment. It's where um, at the moment you see a uh, large amount of money being spent, taking out advertisements, promoting uh, a, for Academy consideration or for actors, consi- you know, for, uh, to consider actors or Best Pictures or whatever it is, and and uh, and then it's got stories. So, you know, when people have been asking. Throughout the gun debate, you know, uh, whether or not to uh, do something about the amount of guns that are out there or changing the laws, dealing with health care, um, you know, and, and access to mental health care and trying to improve that so we can help with this scourge of uh, gun violence in America, there's always also an additional uh, look at at the the overwhelming... Uh, of availability of, huh, that there's a gun culture, a kind of consumer gun culture where in movies and television and in video games and, uh, and lots of, uh, you know, just kind of across the spectrum in our music, um, certainly in, in news reporting, there's just a preponderance of violence that is, that is out there. And the, and the question always, sort of floats over to, you know, it does, uh, you know, does ethics factor into the bottom line for Hollywood? Does, um, you know, are movies too violent? And should they be censored in some way? And, uh, and so what Variety has done here is put together an interesting compilation, sort of a, uh, it's a very provocative, it's a white book with a gunshot in the middle and blood seeping down from it. So I guess they're being provocative there. Um, And it says violence and entertainment. You can also uh, look at it along with us. as We're going to spend a lot of time today talking about this. And uh, you can also look it up at variety.com forward slash violence. Variety.com forward slash violence. Uh, And you can see because it's available online and in this uh, little magazine form that I'm holding up. So let me just say to kind of start out. Well, it, it's it's an interesting uh it's an interesting morning here in Los Angeles. There's, what's what's going on? Well, there's a
3: manhunt on for um a cop killer. Uh, I think it's a you mean there's a comma in there, right? Cuz he's a cop and he's a killer of cops. So it's what a cop killer It's a cop cop it's killer. A cop, Cop killer. Yeah,
2: I'm not sure it's like at the moment he's out there killing people. It, might not be, it may be too soon to make
3: jokes, but no, at uh, the moment, I think the cops are out there killing people.
2: Well, I, there was a. Well, let's start from the beginning. This uh, gentleman, this. Uh, Dorner. Uh, what do you call it after a guy gets fired from his job? Disgruntled? Well, he's clearly disgruntled. This ex, you know, this disgraced former police officer yes. from LAPD. <laughs>
3: Torrance Police, I think.
2: uh, Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, And and he was he was also served uh, in the um, in the in the Marines in the Navy. I think he was in the Navy, Uh, and had a big security clearance. I know this because uh, he published a manifesto. That's always trouble. The word – well, the word manifesto is never good. Anytime somebody – You never hear about like a poetry manifesto. But uh, massive manhunt underway for uh, ex-cop after Riverside police officer fatally shot. He ambushed allegedly. I suppose you're supposed to always say allegedly.
3: Innocent till proven guilty, my friend. Um, His name is – Dorner. Dorner. Officer – do you see it? Uh, I think it's, it's a, <clears throat> yeah, Christopher Dorner. Christopher Dorner. So, uh, f-
2: former Navy, and then a, and a guy, and I guess he left. A, I, I think in two thousand nine, uh, he's published this twenty-page uh, manifesto, which I looked at a little bit of. I read the first, I don't know, four or five pages. What do you think? Well, it started out as a, a kind of cogent breakdown of of his sense of injustice about what happened. He brought um, a, a police brutality, he sort of crossed the uh, the thin blue line and and, and reported uh, what an officer that he was on duty with for having kicked a suspect a, a few times or kind of abused a suspect, and then that went through a whole process, a whole process. Um, review process. But from from that time, he just talks about being kind of ostracized and, and uh, you know, that he was mistreated. And he goes on, he names all of these people by name. And he also says, he knows that the family is going to uh, the families of, of uh, that the people that know him and love him are going to be shocked by it and that the uh, that the f- the families of his victims in the future are soon he's he's basically saying he's about to start killing cops and their families mm. and he lists the names of the cops and the families now it's been redacted in some of them but um but it was uh yeah. you know on my way back from dropping my kid off at school that uh, you know i i turned on the news thinking you know I'm a host of a political Show. I should probably know what's going on in the That's news. That's all right, man. Everybody knows the real <laughs> I've been deal. Paying much attention, yeah. and boy, it was all over. And I got home and I turned it on, and you know, manhunt, and it's it's, th- and this is what is going to feed into our conversation um, about about trust. You know, when the lights went out at the. Did you happen to watch the Super Bowl? I did. Okay, so the power goes out, right? It did. Like as the power is going out, within the amount of time that the speed of lack of
3: light is traveling. Interesting, <laughs> that one. I didn't spend an hour and a half on that. <laughs> I know. Wow.
2: Uh, I'm. Th- my first thought is The speed of
3: dark. I think it the was speed yes.
2: yeah. The speed oh, of darkness. Yeah, speed of darkness. My whole friend. Go on. So anyhow, the the uh, my first thought is somebody kicked out the play. It's on purpose. Mm. It's in the Superdome, home of the. Uh, unbelievable catastrophe of Hurricane Katrina in 2000, was it three? Five. Five? Is it five? Okay. Um, where, you know, it's is it ironic that, it shouldn't be ironic, but it's ironic that, uh, I mean, they were without power for days, without food and water and without power. Mm. And now we're like in the middle of America's game. And uh, hold on, you know what? I see somebody calling through here. Whoosh. I'm going to jump in. There's a lot, I got a lot of open threads, but I know where I am. So we'll we'll start closing <laughs> the tie a ribbon around it. Hey, there. This is Sean Aston. You're on Vox Populi. Who is this?
0: Hey, Sean. This is
2: Jordan Rockwell.
0: Thank you very much for taking my call, buddy. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Jordan. Thanks for calling. What are you, uh, what are you thinking about?
0: Well, I'm thinking – I saw you on Twitter talking about how uh, everyone is, is looking to blame something for – that's just Columbine or Virginia Tech or whatever the gun massacre may be. But now we're talking about movies and violence. And I just don't see how we keep getting away from the actual problem, and we want to blame something. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen plenty of violent movies, but I understand they're just movies.
2: How about uh, how about video games?
0: Call Again, of Duty and those ones. Well, I mean, it, it's fantasy. It's uh, it's true that the shooters play these games, but that's like saying uh, I drank water. So does the shooter. I can't drink water anymore. You know, like, it's... it's.
3: Is it?
2: It's,
0: well, because so many people play Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, but they're not shooting up schools. And
2: uh,
3: yeah, that's we're blaming...
0: True. You know what I mean? Like, we're blaming the wrong thing. Blame the psycho. Don't blame the video game. You know? Well...
2: There's an M for mature for a reason. Uh, Yeah, I mean... There's there's an unusually I'm gonna sort of make a leap here, but there there's a there's a a historically high amount of suicides being, uh, uh, you know that are happening within the armed services record highs. Yes. And you know, uh, my uh, my first hand knowledge of what goes on during the downtime of uh, of soldiers who are in the in theater in 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 a theater of combat uh, is is limited mostly to movies I see so. But uh, but I I suspect they've they've got some of it right when they show these soldiers who come off of their their uh, you know whatever their duty station is and they, and then they're they're hanging out and after they've done whatever there's to do on post they can't really go anywhere and they they play you know endless amounts of uh, hours of not all of them I don't I don't mean to generalize but there yeah. there is a a a a new kind of you know. Uptick or or you know infusion of of that kind of stuff, which which is weird to me because it's it's like the line between fantasy and reality in a in a war zone for somebody playing a video game is um is is either is is harder. I I don't know. Is like it? Is it I, I I don't know. I I personally think that there is no way to attribute something that happens like that. To one specific thing. I mean, surely the ability that you know the accessibility to a gun, whether it 's legal or not for somebody who commits one of the you know these last few uh, what everybody's been focusing on these last few things uh, right, yeah. m- uh, mass murders is you know w- would they have been able to kill somebody with a smaller clip or a different handgun or could does somebody have reloaded or you know the the all those the minutiae of all those conversations the detail of all those conversations is uh, at a certain point it it becomes for my mind it, it's it uh i start to uh, I start to lose the ability to really kind of give validity to the distinctions but that 's my that 's probably my own bias so but mm-hmm. but you know psychotropic drugs mental health care the inability of people to get mental health care the inability for people to to uh, be directed to places where uh, they can be evaluated properly you know the way the laws are structured, and so forth all of that i think is there what I was getting at on the Twitter the, today's Twitter feed? Because we've got yeah. a bunch of shows on this. Today's Twitter feed is like it's always included in the conversation. And to like mm-hmm. blame solely blame movies or violent movies or violent video games is uh, I, I would completely agree with you that that's not uh, that that's not right. But I wonder uh, it doesn't seem uh, you know I, yeah. I'm not sure Why, we should it, ignore that conversation entirely.
0: Yeah, well, well, it's not, here's the thing, we're we're taking it so, Sean, we're taking it so far that people think it's Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, in which a kid watches something and then is going to then turn and blow up the school. Like, that, they're, they're, I mean, that Wayne LaPierre, unfortunately, made that, decided when he made the press conference a week after uh, Newtown, he was dead wrong on that. I mean, uh, I'm a Second Amendment guy, I agree with Larry Correa, who you had on a couple weeks ago, um. By the way, he's a wonderful fiction writer. Uh, might, might say, but, but you know, just that that leap that somehow if I wa- if I play a video game I'm going to be inspired to do this. I just I'm not buying it. And it's one thing that all these guys have in common: they're mentally ill. And you brought up another good point about PTSD, and that is, as a layman, as layman, you and I are, are in no well, we can comment, obviously.
2: We're in, a but, for, we're in a forum here to just think out loud. There's no uh, – we, exactly, we have the freedom exactly. to do that.
0: Um, I, I mean, yeah, I saw the Hurt Locker. I mean, and, uh, Black Hawk Down, they're playing video games when they're not out in the field. But the amount of trauma those guys go through in, in the cranium, uh, explosions going off, guns are loud. <laughs> even at the range, you fire a gun, even with the, the earmuffs on, it's still pretty loud. And they get permanent hearing damage, and that's just the beginning. And now we have this. Uh, I'm sure you're following it now. The cop in L.A. who they're looking for right now. Yeah, you know, we just. I here? was just talking
2: about. I hadn't sort of uh, made yeah. the connection to my to my thought process yet. But, uh, but the, uh, th- listen, there's there's a whole spectrum of things to consider. At the moment, mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to evaluate is when I walk into a room at a friend's house and the 15 year old kid is uh, is is sitting there, uh, you know, for 10 hours a day logged in you know yeah. I, it, look, it looks like i can sit down and play the game too i like those games i have i have fun they yeah. some make me yeah. nauseous the first person shooters but but <laughs> I, you you it does yeah. it does occur to you like huh i wonder if this is really that healthy for this kid to be doing you know well, and do we have yeah. like video game hygiene that standards that should be included in those those ratings you know it's i think it's a, a conversation worth having make your final point and then i'm gonna jump on to this next call oh oh
0: sure sure uh you i think you're absolutely right you know when i when i grew up um You know, when I was eight years old, I saw the Goonies, by the way. Thank you very much for shaping my childhood, Sean. But every day after school, I wasn't in front of a video game. I was out playing stickball. I was out playing wiffle ball. I was out running around playing capture the flag. And I I think you're you're definitely on to something. It is not good for kids to be sitting in front of the TV all day long.
2: Yeah, no I, way. I, uh, Don't need a Ph.D. to, to know that. <laughs> well, all right, you know, but you know what? There's a lot of places in uh, in our society that uh, where that's that's hard to do. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. there's uh, you know, so so we'll all right. We'll con- we'll we'll continue to think about that, Jordan. Make sure you call back, man. I really appreciate your uh, your viewpoint, and and uh, you know, I think you and I just want we, we just pulled we've opened even more threads. Today's the day <laughs> I, of opening I, threads I, that may not get closed. Yeah,
0: Sean, thanks for taking my call. I apologize. I know I called in and. Uh, and six cans of worms popped out. That's
2: so all right, nice man. That's what we do now. here. That's what we do. <laughs> Bye, man. All
0: right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.
2: We got another caller here. Hey, this is Sean Aston. You're on the air.
3: Who's this?
4: Hey, Sean. This is Brett.
3: Hey, Brett. Good Cecil B. Back. I'm good, brother. How are you?
4: Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Good, good, good. Watching your uh, news story unfold in L.A. with uh, the great expectancy. I hope they get this guy soon. It's terrible what's going on there.
3: What's the latest, Brett? What do you see?
4: Um, it, a lot of panic, um, you know, I, I, dare I use the the T word, but I mean, this guy's a terrorist. He's causing terror.
2: There's no and, question about it. There's and, no question and about it. So,
4: the... you know, you've got police officers, law enforcement gets pretty twitchy when they get shot at, and as they should, and uh, so they're concerned, and, and he's gone after family, which is terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty awful. You know, it, it's, it's a big mess. You've got a lot of people living very close together and rush hour is going to hit in a few hours and it's, it's going to be. Uh, well, if he crazy. goes out
2: in tra- if he goes out in traffic, he won't last very long. And, I, and I, you know, the, the question, the the the, uh, the part the, the water cooler speculation is, will the guy uh, ever see the inside of a courtroom? And I, I you know, I, I was I was uh, starting to go uh, into, uh, you know, a blue thought with-
4: blue doesn't tend to.
2: No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, but I, you know, he, 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 in the in the manifesto, I read, I read a few, know, four, five, six pages of it, and he he starts out seeming like you know a kind of you know a whistleblower who's who is building a solid case for himself, and then he just degenerates into, uh, you know, just kind of a, kind That's, of a ram, yeah, kind of rambling, nonsensical, yeah, uh, clearly just like angry.
4: If you read the whole thing and it, it, it's he's he's clearly insane um and uh especially if you can find a copy of the unredacted one um where they they've cut quite a few pages out in the media, most media outlets didn't didn't print out the whole thing and and part of it because he names names and and you know they're being responsible there but he gets onto a long rambling diatribe um you know about gun control and and uh about respect for the president and and you know the ability of uh, people to be buying these things. He's kind of he's kind of like the bizarro world, you know, ant, version of like the the anti-abortion person who goes and bombs a clinic. Well, this is the gun control guy that is now shooting people.
2: Yeah, he's he's um, uh, he's one of the the villains in a comic book.
4: Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's, it's you know it's uh, I, the first time I read the story. If it's I mean, if it's, it's accurate, a Hollywood story. I mean, if it's, it's accurate,
2: really, I mean, like we look at this manifesto. As though it 's you know convinced that because it 's out there, it is what it purports to be that it is from him that what I was going to get on with Mac about our our society our life life in general, is that no matter who you are how cynical you are if you 're existing from a day to day basis you're you have to trust you have right. there's no chance you have to trust other human beings to to deliver your food to you to uh you know to do any to to you know, to, to teach your kids, to not steer into you in oncoming traffic. You know, there's, there's any one of a number of ways of trust. And, and, and this, uh, you know, this story with this guy, he, he's playing with some of the iconography of trust, a soldier, sure, a cop, you know. I mean he uses – one of the things that struck me about what he was doing was he, he uses a lot of military language you know asymmetrical warfare and this kind of thing and uh, you know it's like a little knowledge uh, in the wrong hands holy mackerel because it actually does mean something you know 17- 17 right.
4: it, it, it's like reading some kind of bad script you know where you've got the, the the highly trained guy that goes off the deep end and except this time it's real
3: I wonder um, who's gonna which play- kind of
4: dovetails into what your discussion is um,
2: well, it, it's it has to do with uh, I mean I was I was holding up uh, the this variety and starting to get into what variety tried to tried to do here uh, the variety yeah, magazine brilliant. publication so they've they've tr- they've tried to cobble together you know they even call it point and counterpoint so they'll have for example um, uh, they'll say on on page uh, six. You know, point are 300 million guns in America too many? Yes, says film exec James Stern. No, says gun owners of America's uh, Mike Hammond. And then they do a little, you know, kind of five Q and A's. It's just, it's a length of a, a, a kind of, uh, you know, an article in a, a in a in a, a column in a newspaper. Um, you know, yeah, uh, on page 18. Listen to, uh, listen to this. He, uh, James Stern is a CEO of Endgame. He's produced multiple films, including 2012's Looper. In 1999, Stern directed and produced All the Rage, a film about U.S. gun violence. The issue has been a particular concern to him ever since his roommate at Columbia University was shot dead as he was walking down the street. Stern spoke with Variety's Rachel Adams. The first question is, and I think they ask the exact same questions of both people, uh, is there a connection between media? And real life violence. And here's his sort of non answer. Uh, he goes, There's no question that there are too many guns in the country. I made a film about too many guns in the country 15 years... the question was is there a connection between media and real life violence and he's answering how many guns there are in the country if you have a proliferation of guns and you have bipolar disorders that show up between ages of 20 and 30 you're going to have people who don't have criminal records who have access to weapons he's answering a question that hasn't been asked uh, I believe a layman's viewpoint that play- oh here you go I believe from a layman's viewpoint that playing violent video games which you can play day and night is a different situation than going to a movie for 2 hours which is a more communal experience There's so many problems, though. You can't put people away who haven't snapped yet. In the case of the kid in Aurora and Adam Lanza at Newtown, they had no criminal record. So you have to go to the source, which uh, to some degree is what kind of mental health help can they get? I mean, he's just all if you sell your soul to the devil, the devil's going to come home calling, which is what this country has done. Uh, if Adam Lanza was not playing violent video games, would he have snapped? I don't know the answer to that, and no one does. So that, it's just, you know, I, I, I'm sure James Stern is a is a, is a smart man. He's, he's figured out how to produce movies, and but uh, but that's just not an answer. And and I, I don't think Jordan, who called in a little bit ago, had an answer either, and I don't think I have an answer. Do, Brett, do you have an answer? Is there a connection? I, I, don't, to,
4: have, I don't have an answer, but there's something I'd like to point out. Um... You know, we've been having this long-running gun debate now for the last two months. and, and I'm, you know,
2: so they, they, <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Yeah,
4: I'm, I'm getting there. Um, you know, one of the things that people like to point out is how, how much less violence there is in European countries and whatnot and, and, and countries that don't have nearly as many per capita guns as the United States, Canada and whatnot. What I'd like to point out is they get the exact same media and the exact same games we do. You know, we—we we, in fact, the, one of our biggest exports is—is is our media. Uh, one of the few things we still do export on mass, and so if
2: I was going to be sarcastic is, and say, "Yeah, but they have soccer and we have football, and football is much more violent." This, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. True. Uh, no,
4: I, I, I'm not not to get into the debate on which person.
2: But I mean, okay, so is, is what mild. we're talking I mean, about? We're, we're
4: shipping the same media over there. The same games are being played by the same kids in Canada as they're playing here.
2: And the you difference know, is they, they don't have as many guns as we do. have who have been to
4: war as well, and, and yet they're not popping off the same way that they are here, or well, they're not having that discussion.
2: Well, they, there's not as much gun violence as the point that's being made when that's invoked.
4: Again, but still, they have the same media, and, and, and their violence level overall is lower than ours. I don't well, Brett,
2: if the, point, the point that people make when they cite those, you know, whatever in the industrialized nation where we're at the top of the thing and all the other industrialized nations don't have as much gun violence, you know, do we have the same media? Okay, yes, we do. Who has more guns? America, where's the gun violence higher in America? That's the logic that would track on that argument. Mac, am well, I part, missing something?
4: Part of the logic is that it. the question is it doesn't cause violence. Because the gun's the tool. If you're going to be a violent person, you're going to grab some tool, whichever is available. If they don't have guns, they'll grab well there Well,
2: let's think about that for a minute. If you're going to commit violence with a knife, it requires a certain, I don't know, physical exertion, a certain... A, a certain yeah uh, um, uh, i don't know if athleticism is the right word but a certain amount of strength i mean I, I suppose a weak person could try and do it but the person who is likely to yield damage using a knife has to be you know i remember the oj simpson trial when they you know it, it was said that uh you know his his arthritis was so bad he couldn't have wielded the knife which just was laughable to every, anybody who was anybody but um except the jury but the uh the The ability to kill a gun, I remember saying this to my dad at one point. I go, Dad, the difference between life and death is this. And I just twitched my finger. That's it. Alive, dead. Alive, dead. Moving my finger up and down. And uh, his answer to me was really, I was shocked by his answer. He said, Sean, he goes, taking life is easy. He said, living it is hard. Sure. Which I thought was wise kind of man. A... <laughs> I know, and but actually, it's... it's harder
4: than you think. But wise man, very wise man. Yeah. Um, but you know, my my issue or my point, I guess I would say is, uh, you know, it doesn't take much skill or strength or anything to stab somebody. It it, it takes more to actually get that final kill. Obviously, uh, more luck, more skill. But I mean, in terms of the violent act itself, the act of violence. You know the mugging, the rape, the the attempted murder. Um, we're we're still ahead of the game for most countries, and and in these countries that they're that in the first world at least are, are getting the exact same media. They're playing exactly the same games, the same number of hours. What do you we mean we're ahead of, of the game? Off.
2: What What do you mean we're ahead of the game?
4: Well, I mean I don't mean ahead of the game in a positive sense. I mean we're we we tend to do more per capita violence
2: right. across the board. Not so so violence. so what? You know, are, are, is there, in your mind, Brett, is there any way in which being exposed to—I mean, this guy, uh, uh, Mister Stern, James Stern, is making the case that movies are a different experience because you go to a theater, and now the irony is people are getting killed in movie theaters. But the uh, the—I'm using the word ironic incorrectly, but anyhow, the uh, I, the, the I
4: don't agree with his argument because you suspend your disbelief.
2: Well, I mean, once what well, you're in your pajamas, you know, you're you're in your own house. It's a cloistered experience. If you if you you know, or you're in an apartment, maybe if you're in a, you know of a certain income bracket, you don't own a home, you're, you know, or you're in a whatever, and you're playing this video game, you get. I mean, I'm not exactly sure how like the alpha waves and the beta waves operate, like in the forefront of your brain, if you're you know or what the ocular deterioration is if you just stare at a computer screen you know often without blinking for long periods of time i mean i've when i've played it i'll end up like tears will come streaming down my face cuz i don't want to blink or i'll lose I'll, my character i'll you know will die or something but but the uh the, the you know versus going his that's his point his point is movies are are less damaging in that way than video games do, yep. do, do you think there's any way that the the There's any numbing factor to the the distinction between right and wrong when it comes, when comes the moment to uh, commit violence, whether someone's been exposed to a lot of video games or movies and television or not.
4: I, I don't think your sense of right or wrong gets diminished or enhanced from a movie or from movies or games. I think that that comes from your upbringing more than anything else and, and if you're the type of individual that has that flaw that you're going to crack or that you're going to do violence there's any number of things that could stimulate that um, you know I don't I don't think that you can single it out to one type or a group of types of media no what i said was the, does a, it contribute adding, a contributing factor to it
2: so your, so your thing is it doesn't contribute and mm-hmm. you, you you think it's not right to assign any uh, I mean, there, there should be there yeah. should be no standards. Hold on, you know what? I've got a well, I, you know, Brad, I got not, a group I'm not of people
5: labeling,
4: you know, so that people can make informed decisions, especially parents. But I mean, you and I grew up watching the most violent cartoons in the world. You know, Road Runner. I never wanted to drop an anvil on anybody. You know, and it, it's it's more realistic now, and, and and but it's a different group of kids. You know, and they've grown up with that. They're more accustomed to that. I would have been horrified by what. You know, I've had nightmares with what my kids watch on a regular basis. And, and, <laughs> All
3: you
2: know, right, I think, you've, I think you've swung us to that. We'll, we'll be able to swing into the next caller on that uh, on that thought. Brett, thanks, sure. brother. All right, have a great one. Bye, man. Take care, Brett. Hey there, it's Sean. You're on Vox Popular Live. Who's this?
5: Hey, Sean. It's, it's uh, Minister Sean from New Jersey.
2: Minister Sean, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You guys recover? You're, the processes of recovery is ongoing, I I guess?
5: Oh geez. you know, there's going to be trees down around us for years.
2: Maybe not years. I hope not years.
5: Yeah, well, god, it it's amazing how how much there's still to be to be done here. It's just it's
2: crazy. Are they predicting um, that this big storm that's going to hit the northeast will make it as far down as New Jersey or are you guys going to miss it? Oh that?
5: yeah, and 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 we're, supp- we're supposed to be flying out of here Saturday morning to go to Disney and uh we we just don't know if we're going to make it. So
2: well, I will hold a good thought for you. I'll say a prayer, and and hopefully everybody on the East Coast will batten down the hatches and uh, and and weather this storm. Hopefully, people won't be without power for too long, and and uh, hopefully get to Disney, man. Uh, which way are you going to Florida? Or are you coming out this way? Uh, we're going to Florida. Well, have a great time. I'm sure you will get there, and uh, and let me tell me what you're think. you know, a minister's perse- perspective on this is going to be fascinating. Tell me what you think about whether or not. Being exposed to violence in the media, be it the news, be it movies that depict violence, television shows, video games, do you think it has an appreciable impact on the development and maturation of of, uh, of people?
5: Well, I, you know, and I can only speak from my own experience because when – you and I are about the same age, so when, when we were kids, um, you know – my parents were very cautious about me watching, you know, the original Star Trek series because there was a lot of hand fighting, um, you know, anything that had any kind of fighting in it. My, my parents were very adverse to, to me watching when I was little. Um, but I did, and I played with guns, and, you know, I was a regular little boy like anybody else. Um, but it, it was it was what my teachers and what my parents and what the adults around me informed me Uh, About in terms of right and wrong that had far more to do with how I systematized how I felt about violence, uh, and especially my own ability to inflict it upon other people uh, than any sort of of television show or movie or game. And now my little boys are five and seven, um, and like my my five-year-old, he's addicted to Lord of the Rings. I mean, he... (laughs) He knows it back and forth, Uh, and you know I was concerned about. about, And I realize it's fantasy violence, but I mean you know the violence that was in those films. Yeah. Very very well. Heads getting
2: Um, lopped off and everything else.
5: Yeah, and you know I I take the same kind of care um, to try to differentiate with him the difference between what's real and what's pretend um you know and in real life this isn't what you you do to people and and you try to incorporate empathy and uh and a sense of responsibility about your actions uh and you know it's, it's it this argument has been with us for a long time it's just different i remember when i was little it was you know if you listen to that kiss album you know it's just it's it's going to warp your mind um you know and
2: Look at us it sure, it, it did <laughs> No, I mean – but you know, now you have the ability to go in – I mean I did a lot of work with the U.S. Army uh, for 10 years as a civilian aide to the secretary of the army, and I, I did – I got to travel to a lot of places, a lot of installations and see things. One thing that is, that's public is that the, the army takes advantage of uh, simulators so you go into a simulator and and the police academies do this too but the technology is getting so incredible that you can literally you know quote unquote walk down a street in you know Baghdad and they can have you know threats or you know innocent civilians Popping up and popping out of things, and they can have smoke in front of it. They can have a uh, lo- you know. They can have traffic noise. They can have all these things. And trying to, uh, you know, tra- train the soldiers to be able to make the best decisions possible to protect themselves and hopefully, uh, you know, kill the enemy and preserve civilian life is the is the is the premise. But but that conditioning, that repetitive conditioning, the army has systematized it so that you so that you get more comfortable and more familiar in it, that you need to think, to actively cogitate on a decision, that can actually hurt you. You need to be able to decrease the amount of time between identifying the threat and killing it in order to increase your chance of survival. And I just wonder now that we've got very, very sophisticated, realistic-looking games – first-person shooter games where you're going down, and by the way, with headsets on and using the internet, you can have five of your buddies uh, at their house, and you're talking to each other, and you're sending messages over the screen, and, and, and you're playing. It's fun. It's really fun, but it, it it seems to me that there is a very similar kind of dynamic happening when you know, you're learning how to quickly identify and shoot. Quickly identify and shoot. The better you are at doing that without having to think about it, the uh the, the, the more you the more points you get, the better you score. Yeah. So I, yeah. I I wonder if and it's over and over and over again and and you know, I think it'd be great I, I haven't lined up a scientist, but I'd love to have a scientist come on and talk about brain waves. And and what happens, you know, we used to know that when you – maybe even, it's still true – that when you hold your cell phone up to your head, it gets really hot. You're, you know, the phone gets hot and your head gets hot. And so, you know, it wasn't surprising that incidents of brain cancer were increasing and the, you know, the redesign of, of cell phones, you know, the upgrading of them and the improvement of them was happening to sort of try and minimize that. Um, you know, if you put – uh, a cell phone next to an egg. Mac, were you the one who showed me that? No. We, we, they, they would cook an egg using the the stuff from a cell phone. That's so. Convenient. No way. Yeah, they could cook an egg. It might have been three or four cell phones, but it was a pretty shocking uh thing. <laughs> they, they got the egg to ju- you know pop open like it did in uh, Ghostbusters on uh Sigourney Weaver's kitchen counter. <laughs> but but. Oh, hysterical. It's uh, well it's, it's hysterical, except you know terrifying if you really want to like get down to what's going on with your brain but uh, what i'm saying is when you watch tv what part of your brain is being used are you sending energy to the frontal cortex i mean i don't i'm just making stuff up but uh, it just occurs to me that it's logical that something like that is happening maybe not when you're watching a movie maybe it's a different experience but i know that a certain i've seen uh, documentaries where you know the difference between reading a book and watching a movie if it's the same subject matter that uh, it, that it, it, there's alpha waves that are kind of, um, coming at, I don't know, is it coming at you when you're watching the movie and it's beta waves or it's beta waves that are coming at you. So it, it it's a, it deals with the reactive part of the brain. Whereas when you're reading you, it's an active process. So it activates the, the alpha, I don't know, whatever it is I'm talking about, but I'm just saying it's worth, it's, it seems to me, you know, instead of, Uh, simplifying or oversimplifying the conversation just into our kind of layman's personal experience to try and evaluate like what what's really happening with that experience of playing video games I mean you know the news uh, let me go to uh, there's one thing here on the the, it was Joe Pantoliano who's a good friend of mine who's in the Goonies played the Vertellas he was in um, he was in uh, the Sopranos Uh, he's interviewed in this variety booklet that I'm looking at here just give me a second to find it Um, the uh, you know dealing with he he was speaking to the mental health uh, page 16 page 16 wow it was way late Um, thanks Mike he uh, you know he's been diagnosed as a uh, as a depressive uh, as a clinically depressed, and I think bipolar too, but the, I don't want the to say question,
3: The question that goes to Joe Pantleono in this uh, article uh, says, could, uh, Adam Lanza, could Adam Lanza's action have been prevented? And his response is, when I was diagnosed with clinical depression, I found out three things. It wasn't my fault, I wasn't alone, and it could be fixed. This kid wasn't getting the care. He didn't know he wasn't alone. Is that the quote you were looking for, Sean?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's his his whole statement is is interesting. I mean, he he to uh, to sort of show compassion for the uh, the the killer is something that was remarkable when it was done by the victims' families, right? Um, so, and he he's getting at it for a different reason. He's he suggests – and I, um, I, bet Mr. Sean, I bet you would sort of think that's an important. I, I would. I bet you're in agreement with that.
0: Yeah.
3: There's, an, there's another question I think that you might have been speaking to, Sean, about <clears throat> uh, a question to Joe Pantliano that says, uh, you've often played violent people on the screen. Given your personal beliefs, how did you get into that? And he says, because I think they're all nice guys. Take Ralph Zofretto, who I played on The Sopranos. He grew up in a neighborhood where it was cool to be a gangster. I also grew up in a neighborhood <clears throat> where it was cool to be a gangster, cool to be a thief, a good thief. Uh, In his backstory, Ralph as a kid had a disgusting mother who was raped by an alcoholic boyfriend, and because of the damage that was done to him, he became an adult that we grew to love, to hate. Throughout history, our biggest monsters really thought they were doing the right thing. My job as an actor is to investigate humanity and then bring it to a stage or to a screen. It's up to the viewer to judge that character, but I'm not allowed to.
2: Yeah, that's that's i mean you talk about lord of the rings my first thought was to uh like grab for some escape hatch that said i'm not culpable and think well the values in the movie are uh aligned in a in a manner that is uh you know m- meaningful and helpful to uh to a viewer they're good it's a good it's good violence um you know i don't know the
5: no i would agree with that i would agree with that well you know, it's, I think I, as I was listening to you um, a few minutes ago talking, I, I would be interested in knowing, um, you know, because I, I know when I've been playing video games myself, and when I watch my kids do it, I mean, they 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 get in that zone where where they just they're zoned out. I mean, they're they're so locked in to what they're doing, um, and and there is sort of a a desensitization that's going on there. I mean, you can you can you can see it in their faces um and particularly when you were talking about the uh, the experience you had with with the military and 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 sort of that ingrained ability to uh react um as they need to by by virtue of their training for what they do um you know i wonder I wonder for the for the regular person for the layman for the for the child that that people look at from the outside and say you know if if they if they're exposed to this and exposed to that, it increases their their possibility uh in combination with other factors of of enacting violently uh against other people um, I wonder where the line is between the the ability to be desensitized to violence, which to some degree we all are because you just can't get away from it. Uh, in in our modern culture, uh, and and still maintaining the the ability to to know in one's head and in one's heart that you know outside of of you know self defense, you know being being a perpetrator of a violent act upon another person um, is a solely different thing. Uh, Than the fantasy of a video game or a film or a television show or, or whatever it is, no matter how immersing it is, um, that that there is a line between what is real and what is not, um, and I, I you know I have to give my parents a lot of credit for instilling that in me, and I hope I'm doing it with my kids, um, and you know I'm I'm from what I know about you. Um, you know, I have to think that you you think about that uh, to some degree about what your kids are exposed to and what they see and what you get yourself involved in in terms of its level of violence.
2: It's uh, it's funny. You know, my we, you know, have three kids, sixteen, ten, and and uh, seven, mm. and my my attitude with the first one was, well, with all of them is that they're sort of self regulating; they don't want to watch. Things that are too violent, they just don't like it. It makes it it's scary. They don't want to watch scary things, you know. I'm not a lot. They, they, if I want to watch the news, it's like I have to go outside and smoke. I have to, I have to like go, go find, you know, go find a uh, uh, you know a TV somewhere where where they're they're not exposed to it. I mean, they they have a a, a violent of rea- a, a, a a a just a very strong reaction to uh, to those negative things. But with my oldest one, my my feeling was she can watch anything she wants to. I don't care what it is. From I mean I don't know if porn would be consi- you know I, I would consider that but but my point was that there were no limits. The only caveat that I had the only rule was that she would have to sit on the couch with me and the two of us would have to talk through what we just experienced watching together for as long as it takes until I'm satisfied that she has internalized it in a way that's healthy and constructive. So, you know, and and it sort of of worked, I mean, except like I said, she was self-policing and didn't want to watch bad things. But I remember we were doing um, Lord of the Rings and i was exhausted one like on a day off or something like that and i was asleep and and she kind of came in and crawled into bed with me and we looked up on on television i guess i was watching kind of mindlessly watching braveheart for the 8000th time and and she and it was the right at the moment where the father the dad is dead and he's laying on the slab in that little hut and the son is standing looking at him and the dad's chest is just split open wide and it's really graphic and I was I was just too I was too tired I don't know I just wasn't thinking I, I did this with September 11th too I wasn't thinking I to stop them from to stop you know her being exposed to it and she looked up at it and I said oh honey let's let's not watch this this isn't this isn't good for you and she said no I want to see it and then I was sort of caught with my my idea that she could watch whatever she wants and knowing it wasn't a healthy thing for her to be seeing and uh, and she said she really wanted to see it and my wife walked in. And she really was kind of struggling with it. I think she liked that uh, we were bonding, even though it was over this kind of wrong thing. Um, And so she sort of let it go. And we watched this movie together, and we talked about it for a long time afterward. And I don't know. I just get this sense that she... um, It really affected her. I mean, I'm sure she had nightmares from it, uh, which is bad. You don't want your kids to have nightmares. But at the same time, I think... You know the the ideas in the movie were were pretty spectacular, you know that there's some things yeah. worth fighting for and worth dying for and and uh you know the the health and safety of your of your people of your family and so forth is uh is sacred and and uh so you know and she takes on a lot more of this than you can imagine the younger two. It's funny, you know. You, I don't want to see you pay less attention to them, but they, they, you know, life is moving so fast, and uh, and I just see that sometimes I look up and and they've been watching a TV show a lot longer than I realized, and I, I kind of want to censor it a little bit more. Um, so maybe in my own family, there's a, a an instructive lesson that that says, you know, like if you know if people have a kind of nurturing supervision maybe they could be exposed to this stuff with less of a negative impact on them and and maybe if they have you know less supervision they 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 might not uh might not be able to do it i mean it, none of this is legislatable i mean you know it's it's all just a question of what we you know how we how we feel you know what we what we think and and uh, mac
3: what do you what do you think um oh, boy <clears throat> i have uh I have a great deal that I think, um, you know. I, I think it's. I think it's very. I think. I think we're moving forward. I think I'm. I'm real glad that we're having this discussion. And, and by we, I just don't mean you and I and Minister Sean and Cecil B. And I. You know, I mean. It, it seems like on a national scale, there is. Uh, there is a discussion, and it may just last. You know, uh, until the end of sweeps week. But there is a discussion taking place about what it is that we are putting in our uh, in our heads and in our hearts uh, you know uh, it, it, there's no doubt to me that um, you know there's a terrific influence uh, from from that that box in all of our houses you know we felt that uh, the influence growing up Sean because so many people were familiar with and and appreciated and loved and, and cared for and recognized our parents and that 's a direct result of the box in in everybody's house or in a lot of people's houses and and thankfully the association with you know uh, mom and dad uh was pretty you know f- fortunate they they enjoyed them and as as a consequence when they ran into folks in public uh there was a a feeling of of you know of, of gaiety and, and 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 goodwill but um <clears throat> you know a lot, a lot of stuff on 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 the television uh you know since the television has existed uh, depicts you know pretty serious violence, and more often than not um, in a lot of uh, of films and television shows, the hero is the hero because he uses the gun quicker and he uses the gun better and uh, or you know beats up the guy uses the fist better, uses the fist stronger, or you know outwits the bad guy, which is you know, the kind of thing that i 'm personally am a fan of but what what i'm what i 'm what I'm thankful for right now is that we're having this discussion because i feel I really feel as though it is similar to other parts of our um, of our country 's history where uh you know something happens a discussion is begun, and then uh, people move forward and that's you know that 's a good thing in, in terms of the influence of uh of video games I have sort of a Funny story. I I, I played that uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City a great, oh, a, a great deal a ways a ways back and. That I want to. I want to. one second. Yeah. I just want to let uh, Minister
2: Sean go for a minute. Uh, Minister Sean, thank you so much for calling in. Good luck getting out of uh, New Jersey and having a good vacation. Thanks, man. You're the best. Bye. Hold on. Hey there. This is Sean. Who's this? Hello. Hello? Hello? Hey there. Who's this? Uh, Okay, sorry, I lost him. Go ahead. Finish your thought, Mac. Oh, man. I just took
3: a bite of banana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I, no, I played I played Vice City a whole bunch. Uh, and that, that particular game takes place in South Florida, in and around Miami. That's where the game is set. And so in the game, I spent a lot of time driving around uh, South Florida, around Miami. And <clears throat> a couple of years after playing the game, wow. I happened to be... In Miami, in South Florida. And I, and I, was, I was driving, uh, you know, my, my fiancé at the time, I was driving her car. And I was unfamiliar, I thought, with the territory. <laughs> when all of a sudden I realized I knew exactly where I was. I was like, no, we can take this straight up here. I was, uh... I had literally, I had gone, I knew the map, man. I knew where I was. And that... And
2: then an 18-wheeler spun at you with the, on fire and you got, you got out your gun and shot the
3: prostitute, like in that game... <laughs> No, I. I yeah. it, was, it was a very interesting experience to suddenly be on familiar ground. You know, my, my head had been programmed yeah. over hours yeah. and hours of playing this game to know yeah. how to react to the emotions. Have you ever input been on that, that ride on Dis- at receiving? Disneyland
2: uh, that's uh, called uh, California Soren? Where you sit in these, uh, these seats and it picks you up and then it's an IMAX screen that you basically – it pushes you into and then the, the little gimbal kind of back goes backwards and forwards and left and right and they, they put wind in your face and they'll squirt little stuff depending on what's on screen. And, you, and then they've done helicopter shots of uh, the mountains or Palm Springs or the ocean or whatever and you really feel like you're flying over these places. My thought was they should do this. Of every city in America, and they should make this available because it's such a, an empowering feeling. I'm going to answer. Oh, lost one. All right, let me see. Uh, let me see this caller. And and I thought, wouldn't it be great if everybody could have this? Not everybody can get to Disneyland. Not everybody can afford it. Not everybody like is connected to uh, to California as, as as I am. It's a pretty great state. We've got amazing stuff here. But hold on, other- oh, no, I'm answering the phone real quick. Uh, hey, this is Sean. You're on the air. Who's this? Um, who is this? Hey, this is Sean. You're on the air on the radio. Who is this?
1: Hey, All right, I'm going
2: to hang up because we're doing a radio show. Bye. Okay. Sorry, we're going to answer this next one. Hello. You're on the air. Who is this? Hello? Hey, this is Sean. You're on the air. Who is this? Hey, Sean. This
1: is Amanda Jackson from Roseville.
2: What's up?
1: Hi. Hey, Mac. Aloha. <laughs> hey. Well, I just wanted to... um. Throw something out there. I kind of disagree with the uh, first two gentlemen that called in. I mean, that's what we're doing here. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's okay to disagree.
1: Um, debating. I thought but, we
2: um, all agreed that we didn't know what we were talking about. But go ahead. What do you mean?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. Well, I'm 23 years old. Um. I don't have any kids, but um. I do have um two young nephews, and I, you know, I. I would not let them play a violent a violent video game. Um I do think that it absolutely affects um children, especially how young they are, if they start playing violent video games young. Um
2: We'll talk about that. How do you think it affects them? Um
1: I you know, it, it's not in a positive way. It, but I mean, does it? Not. Do you think
2: it lends them towards darker thinking? Do you think it makes them insensitive to?
1: Exactly, I think it is. It is a darker thinking. It is a, um, you know, it is sort of it is numbing. It, you know, because I you said earlier in the show that it kind of made you want to. Uh, roll up at first when you first started playing it and that's kind of not because of the sense.
2: content just because of the uh the 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 way it uh, the the movement in it the motion in it but i oh, but oh, i wonder
1: oh, okay <laughs> but i actually well, wonder how that
2: if if you're affected by the motion in it kind of like you know epileptics have to be careful there's warnings about that for kids who play video games but i wonder if what's happening in the way the the screen is moving and that whatever it's doing on you internally combined with the ideas of shooting a prostitute in the head i, I say that because that's what mac mentioned grand theft auto that was a feature of that game you're a drug dealer or something like that and and uh so but but go ahead
1: (laughs) right i thought that was funny mac
2: (laughs) he stepped out now he's now we're all alone well we got johnny we got johnny eyes for (laughs) this
1: um well i you know it there some people really like when you are older and you know you you know right and wrong um and you you can play those games and that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. You make your own decisions and sometimes it doesn't affect you, you know, for the most part. Most people. Um but sometimes it does and, and there's a lot more factors that go into it, um, like, you know, how you how you're raised and, you know, your family life and things and stuff and um but I, I also think that um, uh, as far as movies and television, um, uh, the the things that are on TV now, I don't know if I can name specifics. Is well, okay? I pulled
2: up. Uh, there's Dexter is one. Well, I pulled up a list, and, and Dexter sort of popped up there. But there's also like the the crime dramas, the CSI, and the ones that have. Uh, there's always an autopsy going on, and oh, yeah. and uh, Wait, you know, so Hawaii not, I'm
1: Following with Kevin Bacon that's on Fox right now. That they just uh, premiered a couple weeks ago. Um, I was excited. I love Kevin Bacon. Me <laughs> so, too. Yeah, no, I know you guys are in a Whitewater Summer together. I love that movie. Um, <laughs> there was violence in that. We, what?
2: There was violence in that movie. There it's, was violence it's in
1: funny, that movie. It's funny, as I think about it, as you're talking, I'm looking um, at Twitter. But I think, yeah, yeah, oh, wow. But um, I, I'm just saying, like, some people don't believe that it it really does, like, it doesn't have an effect on um,
2: I think they would say, "Effect enough? is it enough to affect someone's decision to break society's moral code and commit violence on somebody else? Does it have that potentially negative an impact on, you know, maybe it does on a few people, but on, you know, on enough people where, where the society should consider adjusting its behavior? I mean, what do, you, what do you think?
1: Right. You know, I don't think it has that much of an effect, but I do think it's getting worse. Um, you know, media uses, uses um, uh, I don't I should say companies use the media to sell, um, and so it media not just there for entertainment, uh, and it's, you know, you're showing violence, sex, things, you know, all this stuff. It, it, you know, the selling for companies works, so if you're, you're you know, using it for entertainment as well, um, it, it kind of changes your... Uh, perspective i guess on on some
2: things well i know. think uh, I think you you 've just touched on something that we' we'll, we 'll get into in the in the second hour here but uh but the 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 connection and the combination of sex and violence uh can have a deleterious effect on a lot of people in a lot of different ways so all right well thank you for calling i 'm going to go now and and uh i think you've i think you're i think you're right, and I think the other callers would agree with you that it has an effect on people it can 't not have an effect it 's just a question of how serious you know to what degree that effect is and and should it should that have some you know impact on gun legislation and and you know mental health laws and and what other people who uh, seem to be able to manage their their relationship to the violence and video games and everything else. It's funny that we're focusing largely on video games. But, um, yeah. but all right, so, so we'll uh, keep listening. Call back in when you're ready to, and, and, uh, and, and uh, thank you for the call.
1: Great. Thank you, Sean. All right,
2: bye for now. All right, I'm going to read a little something here. I've done – right before Christmas, I was given the gift – this is a – there's no segue here – Heart, I'm listening. Hard break. Just keep Can talking, you play Dave? some sort of funky some funny music or something some kind of something silly to create a uh, um, No, man, this is serious. When we when we come back in, yeah, this the, well, this is That is serious. I know, but let's not l- locate those ideas actually. The what I want to say is when we come back from this next little uh break, which is not really a break, it's the first time we've done this, but I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm, I'm capable. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my movies that I've been in and Max's movies that he's been in, and what I, what my philosophy or attitude is going into the kinds of movies I do and what Max is because I think we have a a, di- a pretty divergent approach to it, and I, I think I think it's it's a good one to, for us to talk about. All right, let me hear something. Come on, Johnny. Oh boy, come on, something. But uh, I don't know, not Pink Floyd. Do. Uh, Max seeing how, how many bars of. Uh, here's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going I'm to do a commercial uh, for, uh, for strawberries, chocolate-covered uh, gourmet strawberries, which is – there's no way to get into that from uh, talking about gun violence. But, um, but I, w- I will say, just as a side note, that I was given the gift of a box of strawberries uh, right before Christmas because apparently I do a, a nifty job of promoting this product because I actually know the creator of the company – what is it?
3: It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. Oh, Just keep talking. Keep talking about that fruit. Oh Lordy. Come on, they grow out
2: of the ground. <laughs> you gonna do? You play the sax right? That oh, tastes so good. <laughs> Tell us about your strawberries, Sean. Oh my gosh. Well, it says right here in the paper, "sexy gift."
3: Mm. Mm-mm.
2: I have a uh, an anniversary coming up. Yes, our twenty do. second first date anniversary, Mm. maybe I will get some Sherry's Berries for my wife. Anyway, the box I got was of Sherry's Berries because apparently I do a good job selling it. I know Sherry. Uh, My kid went to school with her kid and uh and and she, it's, she's built this amazing empire because she delivers a, a great product which mm. is uh really fresh large juicy strawberries mm. covered in all kinds of dipped in all kinds of different chocolate i'm looking yeah, at the picture here i'm getting it. i'm getting hungry right now i'm not going to lie <laughs> i'm not going to lie hungry all for right. love there's like white chocolate dip with uh chocolate swirls and then there's like dark chocolate chips and there's one with nuts on it that's covered in oh man mm. all right Mm-hmm. giant freshly dipped strawberries from sherry's berries starting at how much you think 1999 over a 40 percent savings from what i don't know uh go to berries.com click on the, you got to turn this off man. no it's don't outrageous turn it no, let it's it roll, terrible. Let, it's roll. Terrible. let it roll come on man. sherry's gonna be like, what the heck are you oh, doing but it's valentine's i'm not giving Day. money to that toad hop network anymore mm. um additional copy points i sort of covered them all mm. uh and for my listeners double the berries for just 10 more Ooh. For my listeners. Hey, I've got listeners. Hey, for all you listeners of mine, of Vox Populi, here on the Toad Hop Network, you get an additional $10 more? That can't be. They're going to help my people out like
3: that? That's right.
2: All right. But you got to kick back, well, like half a strawberry to me or something. All right. Uh, additional copy points. Dipped in white milk and dark chocolatey goodness. I already said that. So uh, topped with chocolate chips. I said that. Decorative swizzle. I did not use the word swizzle. Oh, the or swizzle. Nuts. Swizzle or nuts. 40% off from Sherry's Berries. You just need my code of TOADHOP when you order. So go to um, berries.com. Is that right? Yeah, berries.com. And uh, and put in TOADHOP in the thing. And, and apparently... I'll get another box from Sherry. Um, here's the only way to get this amazing. Oh, it's a Valentine's Day special. See yeah, that? That's right. That's I got right. there organically.
3: Very good.
2: Uh, here's the only way to get this amazing Valentine's Day deal. Call 866 fruit zero two. That's F-R-U-I-T-0 spelled out Z-E-R-O-2. So call 866 866- fruit zero two or even better visit berries.com please spell out the word berries b-e-r-r-i-e-s dot com don't spell the dot d-o-t just put dot com uh click on the microphone in the top right corner and then type in toad hop go to berries.com click on the microphone and then type in toad hop hurry offer ends friday that's tomorrow ladies and gentlemen because we are a live television program Mm. if you're watching this archived A month from now, you can still get it. Go to berries.com. You just won't have a sweeter deal. But try typing in the – St. Patrick's Day berries. The St. oh, I wonder if they do like green chocolate. Can you have that? Uh, You can have that. All right. Um, Thank you, Sherry, for uh, supporting the network. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, everybody. Let's get back to our upbeat topic. And I I do want to say that I, I am sick of the gun violence topic. I'm sick of it. I'm officially sick of it. I think this is the fourth show we've done on it. Um, the first, first was in, in, immediately in the uh, aftermath of the uh, – the, the god, I almost said Aurora, Then I almost said Columbine, but it's actually the Sandy Hook uh, school shooting. And then I think we did two, one with a constitutional scholar uh, focusing on what the Second Amendment is. It had a decidedly liberal thrust. And then we did one with a guy who owns uh, a gun store um, or owned a, a big gun store at one time, an author and, uh, and a gun rights uh, advocate. And uh, and now here we are talking about the media, uh, violence in the media, and uh, you know I, I'm sort of relieved to be talking about this version of it because it gets you get so bogged down in the pros and cons and the other parts of the argument. You know does does this assault rifle, is this truly an assault weapon? Is it an assault style weapon? How many calibers? How many you know, How much, what's the caliber? How many rounds? What does it take to reload? You talk about, you know, laws that have been passed or not passed or was the Second Amendment designed for this? Or are there laws on the books? And why do we need to change it? And there's so much, it's just cacophony of ideas. And, you know, my last call, my last guest on this one uh, said, you know, this will never be reconciled. He was just, you know, he wasn't saying it with any degree of Emphasis or passion, he just said it as a matter of fact. He's like the people just people just agree, uh, don't agree on this, and they will never. And the more I go into it, the more I feel like that's that's probably true. And uh, it's always been my mission in life and and with this show uh, to try and uh, either build consensus, help in the building of consensus, or you know tr- help in identifying areas of common ground. Um, and, you know, I think we've been able to do that mostly by debunking or not debunking, but mostly by um, kind of a- identifying where the limits of our own position are. You know, we we have tactically insti- speaking. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I always, I love the di- the distinction between um, tactical and uh, and uh, strategic. Hmm. I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. But there's a strategic is you, – you, this is the physical gesture you make. I'm putting my arms above my head. and You say, well, this is a, a strategic overview. And then usually with tactical, you put your hands and your thumb and your forefinger close together. You go, well, this is a tactical <laughs>
3: – That is – You just blew my mind. It's
2: <laughs> spectacular. All right. So I'm a professional actor. What do you do for a living?
3: I'm an emotional engineer. Oh, my goodness. I mean I'm a professional actor. I want right. in on
2: that. Right. Um. So my Twitter followers have been talking about my work. Uh, they mentioned Memphis Bell, which is a war movie. I fired twin fifty-caliber machine guns, uh, uh, you know, from a ball turret on a on an aerial combat, high-altitude strategic air campaign. Uh, and then, uh, and then I did another one called Borderland which is a there is no redeeming value in this movie at all it's about a <laughs> santerian voodoo cult that's uh, into uh, uh you know voodoo worship and cannibalism and i play a a sick twisted i don't even know masochistic awful awful you know guy who's i'm put in charge of the the person that we've kidnapped and are going to eat later and I'm put in charge of uh, of that person. It's mm. it's pretty. <laughs>
3: Different in chocolate.
2: That's right. <laughs>
3: Terrible. Swiss. Anyhow,
2: no Swiss. redeeming value about that uh, movie. I I honestly can't see why anyone should watch it. But oh, way to sell it, man. Well, I guarantee you that people are clicking on it right now. <laughs> and you p- build something like that. But um, but and then other. You know, he was. Uh, we, we were talking about. Um, Minister Sean was talking about Lord of the Rings. Which uh, is replete with all kinds of uh, swordplay and bow and arrow violence and and psychic violence, uh, psychic trauma that's uh, you know put on little Frodo and, and even on some of the other characters and you know so there's a lot of violence in that movie and I, I could probably go through oh Toy Soldiers is actually about terrorism that I did it's about a school that gets uh, of uh, a boarding school of wealthy kids uh you know kids from influential families it gets taken over by colombian terrorists because the the father of the colombian drug lord is in prison in america and he thinks that if he threatens them that they'll let uh, he threatens the families that they'll use their influence to let his father go and uh so there's um there's shooting will will wheaton is gunned down by one of the terrorists in the quad uh, riddled with bullets with, uh, mm-hmm. with a with a machine gun it's a, okay. uh he is now he's got three million twitter followers but at that point mm. at that point he was uh it was it was rough for him. Mm. Um uh my character grabs a gun at one point but just uses it to direct to the uh students who he's helping evacuate. Now, strategically. Uh, he uses it strategically. That was more tactical, actually. Mm, very good. Um so I'm sure that I've done a lot of other movies. Um and I, I was just saying the other day to, to a, a guy who directs a lot of Westerns, like I really want to shoot somebody in a western. You know, like in the old the old style, you know, like you were saying, the faster draw or you know something like that a bad guy in a saloon and yeah and, uh, man. yeah get
3: get a go I know there. I know it's terrible but i um, to be the first kid on your block with I a confirmed, I just yeah. watched
2: Full metal jacket that's again a great picture. that's a great one that's a great one to talk about sure uh in this context um it's funny that we've emphasized mostly uh video games but uh, where uh, conversely mm. in your career
3: what are you getting at
2: I want to know the less than a handful of times that you've portrayed a character who
3: Actually, the last uh, year and a half has been uh, a pretty grisly one for, uh, for the, uh, the old macker, career-wise. And it's interesting because uh, Dad uh, said to me before I moved back to Los Angeles, as I was saying, you know, Dad, I, I worry about the kinds of jobs that are available because more often than not in television, the part that you get to play as a guest actor is the one that either stabs somebody, shoots somebody, rapes somebody, punches somebody, beats somebody up, or uh, you know is related to a situation like that. And he said, "Well, are you are you willing to dance with the devil for a little bit to make rent?" Well, <coughs> we've done a two soup, a two step, a watusi. <laughs> I believe we did the frug. You the devil s- and I did the I frug. I remember looking at you so just in the last two years. Uh, I uh, I got. Uh, Do you think he was second, encouraging one, you or two, discouraging four, you? Four, he was uh, he was asking me a question.
2: He nah, was asking me if I was I'm, a leading
3: question. Come on, he was asking if I was willing to dance with the devil in order to make the rent. In, and, and, you know, and I, my actions have answered him in that, uh, you know, in the last two years, I've played a guy who killed, I don't know, six, seven, uh, six, NCIS? six or seven people. No, that was Criminal Minds. I played a guy that, uh, you know, uh, beat the hell out of his wife to death uh, on Prime Suspect. I played a guy that used a gun in self-defense uh, to kill three people on NCIS, uh, and. Uh, Oh, I had to cut my wife's leg off on uh, Grey's Anatomy. Um, but that was medical. Yeah, that was different. That was, yeah, it, it was it was, an, it was an emergency.
2: All right, so you're I remember having a similar- and you
3: know, but the, the rent has been paid, so good for you know, bully for me. The the wife has been fed, so bully for me. The cat eats handsomely, so bully for me. But you know, in the big picture, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know I don't know. I'm glad well, that we're having this discussion. I'm glad that this discussion is taking place, you know, uh, on 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 a bigger scale. Because for a number of years, you know, uh, you know, a lifetime ago, I caught a lot of flack from the representatives that I had at the time because I didn't want to go into audition for the part where the guy was the hero with the gun because I didn't I know. I, I didn't, think it cost you a lot of jobs. I'm sure it did. You know, I'm sure it did, but I, it was it was my stance, if you will, uh, to not want to contribute to what I believe Dad described in a great graduation speech as the this is s- John the slaughterhouse. The 20th century became. And it truly did. And, now, and here's, here's well, the thing. the Second World War with 80 million people and, right. you know, First sure. World War well, We were Vietnam fighting the good and... fight. We were fighting
2: the good fight. No, we no. had to beat the thing. See,
3: this is, this is where I, this You're is where I get. You're not going to take
2: away the Second World War from America. You're not going to disparage America's country.
3: What, what I'm, I think what I'm getting at is it's time to grow up as a people, as a world. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop beating each other up. It's time to stop attacking one another. It's time to grow up. You know what I mean? I don't care what religion you practice. You look at the hero of that religion; he's a peaceful man. Allah, Muhammad, uh, you know, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Moses—these uh, are these are. There is there is peace in there. If you read the tenets of those religions, there is peace. All right, Buddhism—all about peace. All right, so it's t- it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to stop killing each other for what? Well, so
2: we always when we talk about drama somehow we always go back to the greeks but you could go to the chinese you could go to the egyptians you could somehow we always go back to the greeks and greek (laughs) drama and, and there's this idea that um that drama facilitates development in the viewer in the experiencer of it that carrying you know identifying with characters because what their experience is reflected or reflects your own experience or Projects out ideas of what you've, you know, when you talk about the gods, you know, and 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 what the gods represented, and 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 certain, you know, personifying uh, dynamics that happen in nature that are that are you know unexplainable at a certain moment in history and so forth. The that there's the Greek word catharsis, which means roughly like a, a, a like a Cleansing, a purging, an Mm -hmm. arrival at a a, a state that's that's more uh, whole and more healthy for having gone through that experience. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you look at uh, you look at some of the movies. You know, I I looked up, I pulled up a list here, and uh, I want to see the hundred top violent movies. And the number one, I don't know how they chose these things. Uh, maybe it's just The Frequency of the Witch. I, I don't know, but Die Hard. Um, and then Clint Eastwood's in like four of the – top uh, Fistful of Dollars, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Is he The Outlaw Josie Wills? I can't remember. No, I don't think uh, – Unforgiven. Then you get – I'm just going to go down. Pulp Fiction. I mean, we've got a movie right now nominated for Best Picture called Django. Have you seen Django?
3: No. Whew. Whew.
2: It, is, uh, it is It is violence. Uh, it, is, it is pure um, – um, pu- pr- prurient, is that a word? Prurient? Yeah. Yeah, it's a word. That's a word? Yeah. yeah. What does it mean? It means sexy. Yeah, uh, sexy? I'm looking it up right now.
3: It means uh, primal. It means base. It means sexual. It means uh, strawberries. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> prurient.
2: Having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters. But somehow isn't the, u- the word used... Um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, sex and violence are very closely linked, and the damaging impact that that has when done, kind of wantonly or recklessly, for effect, I think is, uh, is is really potent, and 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 we should unpack that a little bit. But um, Pulp Fiction and even uh, Tarantino's other movie—it's Quentin Tarantino, by the way—who did uh, who does Django, which is nominated for Best Picture, and uh, he did. Uh, what was it called in the uh, Inglorious Bastards? Inglorious Bastards, which is this uh, really fascinating cinematic um, experience. Fantasy It was a fantasy. Yeah, you know, and the Jews get to kill Hitler. They get to bomb Hitler and kill him, and it and it's it it lets you uh, relish in torture and the it's idea of catharsis. Tort- well, on some level, I think it is for a lot of people you know whenever we watch our our documentaries from 19, from the 1940s and, and you there 's all that amazing footage and document and, and even the even the um, you know the John Wayne movies or the, the you know all those movies from the First World War with all Quiet on the Western Front to Patton in the second world war and there's there's always this sense this little sense that even though there 's a certain victory with whatever you 're watching you know uh, that that the overall um, you never get the bad guy. He robbed you. Hitler killed himself, so he robbed you of that sense of satisfaction that somebody could kill six million Jews. You don't get to get him, and and Quentin Tarantino gives you this um, fantasy, yeah, this gratifying, you know, kind of gluttony about violence, and and somehow that worked for me. I kind of like that one. This one, Django, goes into American slavery, and he basically does the same thing. He takes your um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about this tonight on the this – what is it called? The, knows. the Schmo's Nose here on the Toad Hop, Toad Hop Network at I think 8 o'clock. All right. Um, we're going to talk about all the Best Picture nominees, and I've seen them all, and I've got lots of opinions. But but I think this one really goes to our point about violence in media because it is, it is just – I mean gratuitous it isn't a good enough word. It's just porn. <laughs> I mean it, it's a snuff film. Is basically what I looked at, and at a certain point, I was totally invested. And, and I was talking to Leonard Maltin about this, and he was saying, you know, it's really a love letter to cinema because he is invoking um, different eras in cinema the way he the way he depicts different sequences and, and uh, different characters that are introduced. But I was watching it and so kind of affected by the slavery narrative, and it was getting so disturbing that at a certain point, my a fuse popped. Something happened in my brain where I was like, oh, you know what? Actually, I see what he's doing. He's manipulating me. He's mani- he's using American slavery to manipulate me so that I can get to the enjoyment when Jamie Foxx kills a lot of white slave owners. And I, all of a sudden, it was—it was already in me—the—the—the—the the, the, the load of uh, the load up of intention with all the World War II stuff. I love World War II. I love—I'm obsessed with watching movies and reading books and hearing stories and visiting sites and talking to you know people who are there. I mean, it's just a, a subject matter, a topic, a time period that is very interesting to me. Um, so I was already there. So when he did. This thing about you know killing Hitler and kind of upending history and it was clearly more of a comic book or a, a graphic novel that was what he was really doing. Uh, I was fine with it. Right. This one, I just felt like it was. Uh, I mean, maybe it's it's too soon. I mean, in, in the American, in our, and we're only a couple hundred years old. Slavery was with us. I mean, if you look at um, this booklet that I've been sort of a- addressing Variety, it came out on January fifteenth, which is uh, so, Martin, Luther, Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Uh, uh i guess his birthday or the anniversary is so killing you are saying and there's a
3: picture of him at the front of it yeah you're saying you're saying that you you, you think that it's you think that it's i don't know perhaps ir, ir, irresponsible to 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 use the medium to manipulate you into believing a f- something that was not exactly true a a, a fantasy no, this in is order important, to get you to feel a certain way this is
2: a i'm uh, sorry
3: this is an important <laughs> distinction
2: I I actually think he has a right. Sorry, I was adjusting the microphone. Uh, I think he has a right to do it, mm-hmm. and I think other people have a right to watch it mm-hmm. and to have their own experience. And uh, clearly, you, lots of other people had an experience that's totally different from me. People whose opinions I respect. You know, I actually, I was sort of second guessing my opinion because I thought, boy, if the Academy's nominated this for Best Picture, why didn't I get it? So I don't I don't uh, playing with emotions triggering emotions, using emotions as the... I mean, you said you're an emotional engineer at the beginning of the, this little conversation about our career. So, so that's that's what, you know, that's what oftentimes filmmakers do. And, and uh, so I don't think it's uh, wrong kind of intrinsically. I think the way that he applied it was uh, not pleasing to me, mm. and I would not fet it as a successful example of... Uh, I mean, we don't have enough movies about... Slavery in this country. People who haven't figured out how to do it right. We just don't. I mean, there's no footage from you know the slave era the way there is with the Second World War. But somehow, I mean, Spielberg did Amistad. Um, uh, it was color purple about slavery. Uh, just ab- uh, abuse psychologically, so, yeah, sure, abuse. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, there, there's. Um, I mean, you've got Roots, uh, but you can count on one hand the ones that have made a, a legit, you know, impact on the. And this is this is the Kind of genetic flaw in the American DNA, this is our corruption, the slave movement, so you know you cannot you can and, and okay if you want to do satire, if you want to make fun of things the way Mel Brooks does in history of the world or the way certain comedians can they can take the most awful situations and they can kind of, you know, make you make you laugh at it. I, and that's fine, too. And, and I, you know, I definitely felt when Jamie Foxx was shooting up the plantation and killing the white slave owners, uh, I definitely felt a thrust of ven- vengeance, the kind of like deliverance. But I wasn't happy with the fact that I was feeling that I felt like I had been provoked in a way that was uh, inconsistent with the the you know, I, I felt like he was just using it. He's like, oh, you know what? I figured out a formula. I can. What's the next one? Let's go to the Spanish Inquisition. Let's go to uh, the you know the uh, the the cleansing or whatever in chi- in uh, in China. The the, the the revolution in China. Let's go. he's got a, he's got the rest of his thirty years of his career mapped out for him. Just pick the awful time and go in there and find a character who's kind of anti-character there, and have him suffer for the first half of the film, then have him blow the hell out of everybody for the second half of the film. And good for you, man, knock it out. I mean, I can't you know. wait to see
3: what he does with Christmas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but he uh, he could go to Roman times. He could do the birth of Christ. He could just picture Christ coming back and what would Christ do in uh, in Tarantino version of that film? Pontius Pilate. What would what would the
3: unbelievable?
2: Uh, well, uh, this is what I'm saying: is he takes the most you know the or Mohammed I wonder if he would treat Mohammed I wonder if he would treat Mohammed if if he would or if his own if he would be uh, uh, I want to be careful how I say this but in the parlance of the filmmaker who invokes the freedom of expression and the bravery it takes to express oneself freely I wonder if he would apply if Quentin Tarantino would apply his sense of freedom bravely in some depiction of Muhammad, or if he would look to other subjects you know this is a he, he did that with the sla- he did that with slavery in this country just now it's nominated for best picture and and I'm sure that a lot of people feel you know as though finally there is a movie that speaks to this issue and finally a character who can who can embo- be emboldened you know i think i'd be if i was an african american i think i'd be kind of conflicted <laughs> i think i'd be a little conflicted you know as a guy who who uh, a shed, shed a tear or more during obama's first inauguration whether you like him or hate him it was a historic moment to elect a black man president in this country uh the, the you know that guy inside of me can appreciate when when you know like the french revolution Les Miserables is another one that's nominated you know, it's about revolutionaries, and in in a sense, Jamie Foxx's character is kind of like a revolutionary because he he fights back. So that aspect of it, I think, is fantastic. But the the prurient uh, ecstasy with which he uses the filmmaker uses the slave movement, you know, to uh, f- for personal enjoyment, I found off putting. Uh, okay, so so getting back to you and your movies and your <laughs> and your uh, feeling about uh, violence, you had a, a such a strong opinion that all three of your uh, family members who work in show business—me, our mom, Patty Duke, and our dad, John Astin—were uh, drawing your attention to the fact that your position on violence was, you know, placing you out of. You know a certain kind of career, and you were fine with that at the time. Sure, at the time, because and then I you, could I could afford to be
3: financially. You could yeah, afford sure.
2: to be.
3: There's an interesting thing. Absolutely, it's it's unfortunate, but because you know, in in order to pay the rent, I have had to sacrifice my my morals. You feel you've sacrificed your morals in in some respects, yeah, for sure. By you know, uh, gleefully depicting uh, the dismemberment of other people in this community. Were you full of glee? The character was supposed to be. And so, in order to do my job, in order to earn my money, I had to uh, I had to dance with the devil.
2: It's too when bad. When I was reading that, when I was reading Borderland, uh, and I had to read it fast and make a fast decision because they were like, "Oh, if you want to do it, you got to jump. You got to go to Mexico like right now." See, that's how they get you. Well, no, I mean I I the money was fine. Uh but I, but there was other money around. I didn't have to worry about that particular money, but I liked it. I liked the idea of playing that character of going to a dark dark place. Uh and I I uh I, and what I was I read the script, I was looking to justify my uh participation. You know, and the way I did it was Making a decision that the movie was showing right and wrong, that my character was wrong, and he ultimately dies in the end his head gets hatchet, he gets a machete to the head, and he dies
3: oh yeah that's <laughs> Well, you know, it's so funny
2: because know he's wrong, you hear yeah. like Spielberg stories from when he was a kid uh, where he, he'd want to do some sort of a movie, a war movie or a zombie movie or something like that. And his mom tells these stories about how, you know, he'd just splatter blood all over the kitchen. And, you know, most parents would be like, hey, you're messing up the kitchen. And his mom was like, whatever would let his cre- creativity flourish, she wanted him to do. And so he, you know, he and if you look at it, you know, it. it One of the first movies I remember going to in the theater was going to the Directors Guild of America with dad and seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was just incredible. I loved it. And there's any kinds of gun deaths in there, you know, indie shooting people or whipping, you know, and all this kind of thing. But it's the last scene when the the Ark of the Covenant is opened and those – the spirits – Go through, and they, and Indy's uh, the Indies saying, uh, Marion, keep your eyes closed. Don't you know, shut your eyes, Marion, shut your eyes. And those the spirits turn, you know, like wicked vengeance, and they, 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 pierce the souls of all of the Nazis who are there, killing them instantly. And the only two who are left standing on this altar at the end of like, you know, what is probably a hundred Nazis who've been killed by these phant- phantasmic – Spirits. The wrath of God. Yeah, the wrath of God, yeah. Uh, Our Indiana Jones or whatever. They did this thing at the beginning of it where the guy's f- face melts off. Mm. I had nightmares. I still have nightmares. That image, the way they did it, and I know how they did it now, right? I think it was like some sort of a plastic that they heated up and they, they, they time lapsed it or whatever, you know, and, or sped the frame up, whatever it was, and, and the guy's face melts. But the sound of the screaming of the guy as the, and the
3: compression of his face and everything else, wow, is that disturbing? Let me ask you something. Yeah. Let's say you find yourself on some island in the (laughs) South Pacific. I'm going to shut my eyes. You're going to shut your eyes. I'm going to pull off
2: any Nazi insignias I'm wearing. You
3: have been influenced by the movies. Yeah. Oh, well, this is the thing.
2: This is the thing. Most of our common language in American culture, world culture, I mean, uh, Brett was right. You know, World culture, we have a lot. We have something in common. I mean, for a while, it was Baywatch. Baywatch was, you know, one of the highest rated uh, syndicated shows here and the highest rated show, like, in most countries around the world. And you sort of think, what are we, what are
3: we, what are we saying? What is our country saying you know, to the rest yeah, of the world? It's the, uh, it's, hot chicks running in slow motion in bikinis on, uh, in Malibu, you it's know? It's what I used to call the McDonald's effect, you know, the, that the majority of entertainment that we are exporting is as, uh, is as healthy for you, uh, intellectually as is McDonald's for you physically. You know, that's that's you know good old fashioned Yankee ingenuity. There we go. We'll send it all across the world. Come on down to the golden then, arches and get yourself some cholesterol. And then you have Schindler's list
2: in a world where many, many people believe that the Holocaust didn't happen. Right. You have a film which is Depicted with what I believe to be and belief in science have an unholy or holy relationship, depending on how you want to look at it, but uh, from what I understand from working with the Holocaust uh, Institute and having studied the period it 's as authentically depicted as you can get, and it is it stands as a living memorial, an emotional experience that can be given to people to animate. A sense of appreciation for at least what the filmmaker is calling a certain moment in history, and then the f- the subject is left to judge for themselves whether it resonates as valid or true, so violence in that s- aspect in in cinema is serving a humanitarian purpose by not letting the world forget about the violence that actually happened that it 's depicting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you were asked to be a Nazi soldier in Schindler's List, how would you feel about that? Would you feel like you were compromising your morals there? Uh, Spielberg director, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fungible, fungible morality—that's uh, what I like. Uh, let's get, let's get back to some of these uh, this point and counterpoint stuff that they've got going. Show, um, will you throw up? Oh, Smart. case in point. Uh, page eleven. Page eleven depicts uh, D.W. Griffith's pioneering 1915 film *Birth of a Nation*, originally titled *The Klansman*, and portrayed the Ku Klux Klan as heroic, with blacks being played by white actors in blackface. And then the photo below it uh, was taken in the trenches of World War II. Um, on this page, there are three voices, all of whom agree on the uh, have the same approach to gun control. Uh, which is pro pro gun control are the children of famous people? Uh, actually, two of them. One's a brother and a sister. You've got Ron Reagan, who is a uh, a virulent liberal, and uh, a friend. I call him a friend, and um, and Patty Davis, other uh, daughter of Ronald Reagan, and then you've got Kerry Kennedy. Um, and their headlines for each of them: We must take action nationally to ban assault weapons. That's what Kerry Kennedy says. Why are uh, so many Americans so seduced by the destructive potential of guns. That's what Ron Reagan says in his in the and then Patty Davis uh is quoted saying, uh, my father wanted us to know what bullets do to flesh. And it's very interesting that um you know two children of Ronald Reagan, who is a uh, a towering, you know, the he's the the godfather of uh the Republican Party are um mm. sort of Emphasizing a point that they think their father uh, was making and made uh, that runs counter to the current Republican uh, strain of thought. So um, I'm wondering if I should read. Did any of those pique your interest? Or let me let me let me move down here. Go to page uh, 13. I, when, I, when I'm telling Johnny Ice to go to these pages, it's for anyone who's looking at this online. I actually have uh, they've done some great photo illustrations. Um, clockwise from top left, the 1925 Ben Hur, holy mackerel, and then the remake of Ben Hur. How great was that? The chariot sequence in Ben Hur was one of the great all-time action sequences, and is extraordinarily violent. The, sure. The uh, it was the, in real life too. I know. Well, no, so
3: knocked off a whole bunch of horses. Uh, they killed horses. Yeah. Sure, sure. They'd was... have to have
2: a different disclaimer on that. Horses were killed in the making. This of the... was before um, you know animal rights. ASPCA. Uh, uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's depicting the Roman Colosseum.
3: Oh, so kill the horses. No, no.
2: Okay. We would like for them not to be killed. You know, you see all these movies like Braveheart, like Lord of the Rings, like uh, – there's so many movies now. Oh, like Troy. What do you think of Troy?
3: Oh, I didn't see it.
2: Troy was fantastic. Um, and then you've got uh, – uh, so, Roman Navarro was the star of Ben-Hur in 1925, and then Nosferatu, a News. oh, somebody here – bless you. Thank you. Somebody here asked a question. Do you think uh, – bless you. Do you think action films think, or horror films have a greater impact on people? I well, thought that was a good question. What do you think? What do I personally think? Yeah. Which has a greater impact on people? Uh, uh, it depends on the uh, person. Do you really. think the violence – this is the question. Do you think – this is uh, from M. Salisha. Uh, do you think the violence is worse – in horror movies or action movies, or do they create the same impact? you asking me? That's what her question was.
3: I I think they they probably... I mean, they yeah, they can't create the exact same impact. They're two different, you know, causes. But I, I would imagine <clears throat> that people respond to them similarly. Uh, some people might be enthralled by what they see on the screen, and some people might be, uh, you know, turned off.
2: Well, pick a movie like... Oh, I was at uh, I was at Catalina Island Boys Camp in 1978, I think, or 79, and uh, we would tell ghost. They would tell ghost stories, and uh, there's one that I remembered of these these hands or fingers coming through the cabin, and and like with with knives on it. So you get Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger, and I mean the, the just the story, the campfire story that I heard was enough. I it's still I still can that feeling can still swell up inside me because of how old I was when I when those stories were told to me. And I think Nightmare on Elm Street and some of those movies do, uh, do have a similar impact. And it, it's always, I've always found it interesting that people really like horror movies. I actually want to do one. But, but you know, where they, that feeling of terror, they're cultivating it. They like it. It's like, I mean, I love roller coasters. And it's like they want to create that that pulse of adrenaline or whatever that, Concoction that f- flies through your body when you get scared in a movie. It's my least favorite part of a movie, is the scary part. Um, but people people like that. Um, and you look at Batman. I mean, is Batman an action movie? I mean, with... Um, who's my actor? It's not Chris. Um, the actor who died prematurely. Um, Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger, sorry. Who's brilliant. I mean, there's a really interesting uh, one to, case to look at. You've got a guy who... Turns himself inside out mentally, psychologically, emotionally, physically, in service of a part of playing that kind of villainy in a part and wanting it to be as as real as it can possibly be, and puts himself in a position where it's he's not he's in a bad way. I, I don't know that he seemed like he lost a lot of weight. There were pills on the thing. I don't know. it. I don't know about it. But but that that movie, people worship that movie. In fact one of the i mean this uh was it aurora aurora was the place where a guy dressed up like him and went into a movie theater in the most dastardly manner in the in the front of the theater where the people are looking at the screen and not lo- and and killed so many people um you know did, would that guy have killed if he hadn't been if he didn't have that batman movie and the heath ledger Story because I think people know it. I don't think you go and see Batman without knowing the truth of what he of the fact that he died. And there's something about glorifying young death. Uh, I remember Young Guns it was uh, with Bon Jovi's song. You remember that one? Yeah. You remember Young uh, Shot Down in a Blaze of Glory? And there's something about people cut down in the prime of life that is uh, like in connection with heroism or romance. Um, that's you know. That, that's another one that, uh, I mean, look at, uh, look at, 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 um, the movie our dad was in at West side story, incredible violence, um, for its time in as much as it was, there was singing involved and there was, it was a colorful palette and some of the songs were very upbeat. And so your, your mind at that point, there've already been these movies about the clan and about, uh, uh, all other kinds of gang violence and machine gunning down, you know, but but at that moment, uh, somehow getting having to, Tony gets knifed, right? Isn't that what happened? Tony gets knifed, and there's this dead body, and the camera's up high, and it's. I remember seeing it also pretty young, and just being shocked that they would kind of go there, that they would kill their lead character and kill him in that way, and it was a, it was a, uh, it was, it was, it was. You know Shakespearean, Shakespearean, you know, tragedy. So there, there is, I think, a continuum. You know, on one side of which is snuff films and pornography, and on the other side of which is Patton and Braveheart and uh, Schindler's List. And movies that have grotesque violence, but depicted in a manner that are, you know, and this is my subjective opinion, but are are edifying. You know, they help people understand a little bit more. So the question is, what does society do with films that exist? You know, so you've got news. And the news is, you know, there's one, one guy who talks about uh, uh, Ma- Mike Hammond. Um, page 7. You don't have to show a picture there. but
3: uh, Variety, violence and entertainment, page 7.
2: He's asked, is there a connection between media violence and real-life violence? And he writes, yes. And there's even more of a connection between media media and real-life violence. So not just media violence. He, he's basically saying the news is just
3: as bad as uh, movies and television and video games. <laughs> I don't disagree. Well, I mean, can you, you – know, like, it seems like every week, you know, another man on the loose killing thousands in your neighborhood. Then it goes to commercial and it's nervous, anxious. <laughs> try the new something from down. Lumet Lumetra whatever it's called. Can you not sleep?
2: You have two choices. Turn off this TV right. or keep watching this TV and take it's a, this pill. It's a um well it sh- it sure feels like that. That's where I was going with asking you about the Super Bowl.
3: What about the Super Bowl?
2: Well, my first thought was somebody kicked out the plug. At first I thought, you know, the other team because they the, San Francisco was down so many touchdowns or whatever and then you had uh, and then I thought, well the the NFL they just bought thirty-five minutes of additional commercial time, and they uh, and they gave time to San Francisco. This is like the conspiracy theorist in me, mm-hmm. and I can't help it. I I've been conditioned to think that way. Mm-hmm. You know, from my by what by movies have movies conditioned you by our by our national narrative, sure. by our national conversation back and you, to the left. You, the, yeah, the the. Uh, Garrison, uh, you know, bringing a lawsuit of, of in the uh, assassination of Kennedy, you know, story and the case files are still sealed. And you know, so was it a lone gunman or was it more? If it wasn't a lone gunman, then our government lied to us. Well, what are you? What are you going to decide? Who? Who do you believe? I don't know if Oliver Stone put it together perfectly in that movie or not, but boy, I've seen a lot of shows, and uh, whether. It's appropriate for me to question them or not? I don't know, but I, it certainly pops into my mind. Mm. Um, just not, just nine, like that day in Dallas, nine eleven is another one. It's, uh, you know, you mentioned that you have a conspiracy thought about nine eleven, and you're run out of town on a rail. I mean, you're not allowed in this country to question the events of that time, or you are unpatriotic and don't deserve to. You know, you know, avail yourself of the laws of the, our constitution. I mean, I, I saw Clinton just attack a guy in a, in an audience who, uh, who had asked about, uh, I don't know, some question dealing with, uh, you know, building seven. Yeah. Building seven is one thing that that building is interesting story there. But, but my, my point is that I've been conditioned to sort of question everything and, you know, and, and common sense, you know, we should have common sense, but we're living now in an uncommon world. Where we get a tremendous amount of our data, our information from broadcast news, which our one caller suggested uh you know entertainment is used to sell products there's a commercial uh, and I remember you saying that you had a problem with that when you were younger too, not a problem with it, but it was bothering you that that you were contributing to the selling of soap and and these kinds of things. You felt like that wasn't a, a good
3: I, it wasn't soap that I was you know. Handguns, you know. <laughs> no, what was it? Um, I, oof, how long ago we talking? Teenage years? Yeah, I was. I was probably worried about selling soap. <laughs> Just selling anything. You didn't like the idea that you were sell, moving product. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's you know, that's 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 what I, I have to come to accept. That that's what you know, any one of us that work in the en- entertainment industry are doing, unless you get to a certain level whereby you can afford to make uh, truly art. You know type uh, films but you know the, the majority of stuff you know anybody who's working in television is selling a product so violence done in service
2: of selling a product is suspect but violence done in service of itself to to make art is more uh is, is morally
3: more defensible is that what you're asking me if i believe yeah no i, I don't think any of it's uh, defensible it's time to grow up but okay so we're all grown up <laughs> now nah, nobody's killing anybody all right. What do you want to do today? <laughs> <You know? laughs> let's make a war movie and see if anybody that's comes. that's what I'm
2: saying <laughs> you know they're cool they're they're the violence is a part of 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 human life, so I feel like um we need to understand what's actually happening so i i what i've come to during this two hours is video games are clearly doing something to us that is different than what movies do to us. And I think that the experience we have with movies, we know that they're finished. We know they've spent time to work on them. They've been marketed to us. We're paying our money and we're watching them, is its own experience. And news media is its own adrenal thing. I mean you look at – it's not just the local – you know. Helico- I call them the hornet's nest in LA. You see it all the time where there's a six or seven helicopters flying over, and you sort of look and you go, okay, number one, I don't want to go, uh, the traffic's going to be that bad that way. <laughs> right? number, number two, I wonder if this is streaming somewhere right now. And so, you know, and number three, do I know anybody in the area where that hornet's nest is so I can call them and say, like, hey, make sure you don't go outside because there's a chase going by you. And then you get to go home and depending on, you know, if a guy set himself on fire or if uh, the cop shot him dead or if the strips happen and you get to see the guy dragged away or, you know, there, there's, there's a whole kind of – um you know, pull down menu of what you can experience in a, 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 a on television and on the radio as a function of living in a city with eleven million people, and it uh, you find yourself. You know, you can be. I've been shocked by it. So the closer it physically gets to you, the more you know, the more kind of defense posture you take. But it's it's not just the local stories. Iraq. I mean, it started for me the first time I really experienced it was Panama when we invaded Panama, and then you know if there there've been a, a succession. There was you know. A long reign of relative peace. I mean we ejected – in Haiti, we ejected uh, the – we reinstalled Jean-Bertrand Aristide, but we didn't have to have a fight because Colin Powell and Jimmy Carter went and talked the the thugs into getting on a plane and going away. But that was a story for a period of time, and all of them – Bosnia, Iraq, we know them, Afghanistan – Somalia and the and the Black Hawk Down. It goes on and on and on and on. And every time there's a, one of those, or a Ruby Ridge, or a DC sniper, or a something like that, we are we just addicted to it. So whether or not you know Winnie the Pooh, you know uh, Piglet comes walking up to Winnie the Pooh saying, you know, oh, do you know what's happened? Do you know what's happened? If you turn on the news, and Winnie the Pooh says, no, I, I if I turn on the news and I can't hear the birds. So. Uh, Can't do that again. Ten minutes. Quick pro flower. Okay, we'll do that in a sec. Um, So my point is just that. um, We have to be willing not to think in absolutes. People who want their guns want them so badly that in most of the conversations I've had with people moving into the conversation about what's going on in the media with the media it, uh, well, no, I don't want to say that. I should be – I'm wrong Gotta about
3: it. Got to grow that. up. Got to grow up. Time to grow up. You know what I mean? It, it, what's that transition from uh, I don't, I don't want to go to bed, I don't want to go to bed, and then, you know, you. Uh, or I don't want to go home, I don't want to stop playing. You. Well, that's Peter Pan you're doing, bro. What I don't want to grow up. <clears throat> no, I don't want to grow when up. You, when, you, when, you, when you got a little kid that, that, doesn't, that just doesn't want to put down the toy or doesn't want to go home or doesn't want to come in to, to take a bath – Eventually, you know, they learn that that's what they have to do because that's how life works. That's how they get to the point where they're ready to go to sleep. That's how, you know, the the other kids have to go home and have dinner. And so, what is, from my take, in essence, happening when they grow up, is they learn to compromise a little bit. Yes, they want to stay outside and play, or you know, they want to keep playing with their toy, but they. So you mean you're basically saying compromise in all realms? We all have to. I'm saying we got to grow up. I'm saying we got to grow up. But okay, so,
2: okay. I agree. Now let's so talk details. Okay, We have uh, – Brett said and others have said that they have no problem with labeling something as mature audiences only, 18 plus or whatever. I mean it seems to me that those are roadblocks that nobody pays any attention to. I mean we we do a little bit. My wife doesn't want the kids to see something that's R-rated. And sometimes I'm like, honey, this is a classic. It's actually good for their life to see this. Yeah, and, they they got to see Taxi driving. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's another one. There's another one. At the end, he says, um, "But he's defending her, right?" That's the thing, man. It's just—it seems like every taxi these, driver, Robert De Niro, every one of these is arguments killed, and uh, it's in defense of a young prostitute played by Jodie Foster. And uh, it is considered one of the more gratuitously violent films going, but it does have uh, a slightly an interesting moral message. That being that a bully. A guy, not a bully, a loner, a guy who's been othered by society, who is uh, obsessive, and isn't he? St- I can't remember the movie that well. I'm embarrassed to say, but he's stalking the the presidential candidate or something, right? Mm. And then he, uh, am I right about that? And then it he, sure and then he, he, uh, he sort of finds another way as he's arming himself to to do an assassination. He ends up finding a positive, what you know, is loosely considered a positive outlet, which is he befriends this underage girl who's a prostitute and he tries to help her. I think that's a uh, pretty terrible description of taxi driver but but again that one when it came out there was an uproar oh you know what there's there's one thing here um in this book that showed the a picture of variety during uh one of the times that uh there you go page 37 37 it's from July 5th 1961 and the headline is anti-violence binge begins anti-violence binge I think the motion picture television industry and the news corporations are so firmly entrenched right now that they can have Piers Morgan do two weeks of anti-gun railing almost exclusively well yeah I would say almost exclusively the thrust of it all was anti-guns or anti, you know, whatever those kind of guns um, without feeling threatened that they're going to lose advertising dollars or that they're going to have be regulated in some way they know they're they're not going anywhere. So what I was starting to say was those um, disclaimers seem
3: insufficient to me you you're talking to me? Yeah. Those, those disclaimers. The disclaimers best on best video games and efficient.
2: movies, and and uh, it seems like they're, they're very easy for anyone to get around. You know, some movie theaters are kind of more strict about enforcing, you know. Uh, gosh, did I – I think I helped a kid break the rule. i trying to think of what it was. But I helped somebody – are they with an older I can't remember what it was, but I just remember thinking, this is so they can just talk a grown up into walking around the corner and getting in, so that you know I mean is the discourse good enough uh, which course it's not this is a rhetorical question. the answer to, is no the conversation that we have and you know the Academy Awards try to start it the The intent of the Academy Awards of the Motion Picture Academy of Arts and Science is to is to bring a sense of understanding and appreciation for excellence in cinema and somehow it all becomes about gowns and the red carpet and a race a horse race of who's going to do this and the Vegas odds and everything else and you kind of think Man, it's a double edged sword for the Academy because the hotter a thing it is, you know, every other award show Mm -hmm. is just a precursor to the big show. It's the Super Bowl. It's good because it jacks up their ratings and it probably means they can get more for commercial time, which means they can probably spend more on preservation and they can do whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's a double edged sword because it's like, is it really, you know, do people really get to have a conversation? Does the vocabulary, the filmmaking, The cinema vocabulary, the impact on culture vocabulary, does it get to be? Is it good enough? It's not. It's just not. You know, I find even you know, I'm I'm a cinema literate guy, done pretty well for myself making movies and whatnot. And I find myself in conversations where I'm struggling to figure out my own worldview. What am I bringing to this movie? And so, if you think of families all over America who are, you know. Like Jimmy Stewart says, you know, doing the the living and paying taxes and dying in this country, uh, how how um, thorough is a, is a conversation? People are usually bored. They want to see a movie. They want to be entertained. They don't want to think about something else. So even I feel like even within our entertainment, we should be able to have a conversancy with its impact on society. I mean, some of them are. Um, I mean, just think of them. A lot of times, it's the the biggest, broadest, most outrageous things that make something successful. Steve Carell, or Jim Carrey, or who, whoever it is. You know, are they? I mean, Mac, you're, you're you have such a. Um, I want to say it's a, a simple position, and not necessarily in a bad way, but it's just a very. You know, would you would you if you could snap your finger, would you remove movies with violence in them, so as to have a culture that's? I mean, what about vonnegut? You're a huge vonnegut. Uh, you love vonnegut, yes. And in literature, I mean, Slaughterhouse Five, and some of the other books, there's some pretty rough violence depicted in those those books. What's yeah. the difference?
3: Well, there's there's also some spectacular imagery depicted. Um, having to do with reversing that sort of violence. Spectacular imagery about the explosions uh, suddenly becoming contained into a single pellet which is sucked up into the belly of a plane and flown backwards across the Atlantic where it's taken to a factory where a whole bunch of uh, people, highly trained people, very carefully take apart the bombs and put the minerals that make them up back into the mountains so they can't hurt anybody anymore. Beautiful, beautiful imagery, and the violent imagery. Well, it's the opposite of that. No, but there's others. There's plenty. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the firebombing bomb of Dresden. Yeah, right? that was it was instrumental in, in in getting the word out about the firebombing of Dresden because uh, we certainly didn't, you know, make too much about it after the war. So nobody talks about the firebombing of Tokyo very much. Yeah, either, I've seen a
2: lot in the is, in documentaries
3: lately. History Channel does some good stuff. Yeah. So yes, yes, there's violence everywhere. I guess we should just get used to it.
2: Well, what's the what's the reasonable expectation that we can move the needle? Can't. All right. Well, let me ask you this question. We've been approached this whole two hours from the v- v- uh, viewpoint of does it have does it have a negative impact on society such that it can contribute to?
3: Gun violence. That's the whole way we've looked at it. There is can, no doubt in can, my mind can vi- that it does. Absolutely. Can and, uh, and any argument uh, against that? I'm sorry, uh, is easily could very easily have a bunch of holes shot right through it. I I, I get it. The, the um,
2: a mitigating a controlling influence that wasn't a deci- No, I'm asking you to clarify. Uh, can mm-hmm. the impact that it has? be strong enough or do you think it's been strong enough in some of the big ticket if if
3: if you take if you take the whole of the movie industry since its inception and the advertising industry that's uh, you know what a majority of the movie industry is about absolutely it has had an impact on our society to an extent
2: that it it's the it it crosses the threshold into you know, everyone would agree that it has an impact. Right? Does it have a big enough impact in order to strip away the rights of, you know, 100
3: million people who? Again, this this goes back to my McDonald's theory. Eventually, you know, and I've been saying this for 20 years. Uh, eventually, people are going to recognize that the stuff that they're putting in their system is killing them, and eventually, they're going to seek out a diet that is better for them. And that's what's happening now in terms of food. Thankfully. And I feel eventually people are going to start to seek out, seek out a diet that is not so unhealthy for their insides. Want to end on a lighter note? Tell me about your cookies. No, no, it's not cookies. It's
2: flowers. We've got Valentine's Day coming up, my anniversary with my wife. Um, all right, so one dozen romantic rainbow roses and a free glass vase from my friends at Pro Flowers for just nineteen ninety nine. And for my listener, double the roses for nine ninety nine more. You just need my code TOADHOP when you order. That was better. Listener favorite. Let her know she's special by getting your Valentine's Day order in now. Order today for Valentine's Day delivery. Can't beat the price or convenience, and satisfaction is guaranteed. Guaranteed? But guaranteed. That's Pro- fantastic. ProFlowers was recently awarded the highest customer satisfaction with online flower retailers by J.D. Power & Associates. Visit JDPower.com for more info. That's one of those things you're talking about. Anyhow, flowers. Roses. Nice, beautiful. No guns. Oh,
3: no, they're great. They're, they're wonderful.
2: The uh, special thanks to uh, all the callers who called in to Variety for putting together this very interesting voice uh, violence and entertainment magazine, which you can get online as well. Um, Johnny Ice, thanks very much. Mac, you were the rock star today, bro. Thanks very much for your honesty and openness and sharing your uh, your viewpoints about movies and everything.
3: Hey, and, no problem, man. Sorry, I got to run. and get get down to the range. <laughs>
2: Uh I think that was a misfire. Hey. <laughs> see what I did there. Oh. Uh thanks everybody. My name is Sean Aston. You've been listening to Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. We really appreciate your attention. Um followers at, at Sean Aston and the new uh oh no and uh at host Vox Populi. Thanks for your continued uh Yeah input. And we'll look to See you next week. love to hear some ideas throughout the week about topics that you may all be interested in. Until now, uh, yeah. Bye.
5: You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.